think it'd be nice to meditate for a little bit. You settle. So make yourself comfortable. Bring some kind attention to the body. Allow it to be comfortable, but also upright. If you happen to be lying down straight, straighten the spine, bend the knees. Feeling relaxed and alert at the same time is a really pleasant state of, of mind and body. And this is an opportunity to set aside everything that's going on, everything from the past, whatever we imagine might come in the future, our cares, our concerns, our worries, our stress, we can lay it down next to us maybe. All we need to do right at this moment is be here now, present, And regardless of how the mind is conditioned at this moment, from whatever came before, we can invite it to be happy and calm. And see what that might require, whether we need to introduce some pleasant thoughts, Perhaps the awareness that we've come here together, that we have these friends in the Dhamma that we can learn from and listen to and contribute into this circle. Even the broader circle of whoever might listen to this later, we're sharing the Dhamma. This is a very beautiful, beautiful opportunity. Buddha talked so much about happiness, pleasant spiritual feeling, joy, 
tranquility. And friendship. From this attitude of goodwill and spaciousness and kindness and happiness. Not because everything is perfect or there isn't sadness in our life or challenges, but because in this present moment we have what we need. And we have even more than we need. We can tune in, if you will, to the depth of the Dhamma in our own hearts and our own experience. It doesn't have to have any words. In fact, at the very depths, it can't have words. So you bring your attention to whatever focus is helpful the breath, the body, feelings. Your state of mind. The qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, or the enlightened Sangha. or some principle of Dhamma. And we let the mind rest there, letting go of everything else.
As I'm sure you all know, the Buddha talked a lot about how important it is to have good friends. And um, he talked about what kinds of friends are good friends and what their qualities are. Um, he also gave the other side of that. Um, sometimes we can think someone is a good friend or we get associated with people who actually aren't uh, very good friends to us. But we're going to focus on the, the positive side of this today. And for various reasons, I've been thinking about how to be a good friend to ourselves. Um, it seems in the Buddhist time that there was something of an assumption that we are a good friend to ourselves in general. Um, for those of you who have been coming to sutta study, we've been looking at the suttas about the king, King Pasenadi of Kosala and his, his wife, Malika. And there's a sutta that, uh, where the king um, asks Malika if there's anyone uh, more dear to her than herself. And you kind of think that the king had this expectation that she would say, oh, it's you, great king. You're, you're the dearest to me. I love you more than my own life. But she didn't. She said, no, there's no one more dear to me than myself. <laughs> and um, there's this little discussion, um, you know, the king agreeing with her and then going to the Buddha and saying that and the, and the Buddha agrees that we all love ourselves the most. But, you know, that doesn't seem to be the way we respond in the Western culture. A lot of times we don't seem to... Um, be very loving to ourselves and you know we could probably come up with theories about why that's the case there's quite a bit of negativity oftentimes towards ourselves and uh, a lot of in internal negative talk to ourselves and it, and it does show up a little bit in in the suttas another Sutta from the king, uh, King Pasenadi, is when he says people who are um, doing good things, having moral virtue, you know, keeping the five precepts, they're actually a good friend to themselves. And the people who are breaking the precepts, they're actually an enemy, their own enemy. They're actually treating themselves like an enemy. And that's a, that was an interesting observation, I thought. But I'm going to uh, take this a little bit somewhere else. I'm going to share. I'm going to try to share <laughs> the screen. And it's... Um, I don't know if it's large enough for you to read. Hopefully you can. But this is a, an excerpt from the Advice to Sigalika Sutta in the Diganakaya, the Long Discourses. And it's number 31, as you can see. And it talks about the four kinds of good-hearted friends. The helper, the friend in good times and bad, the counselor, and the one who's compassionate. And 
they guard you, the, the person who's the helper guards you when you're negligent and guards your property when you're negligent, keeps you safe in times of danger. And when something needs doing, they supply you with twice the money you need, which is a pretty good friend. <laughs> And the friend who's the same in good times or in bad times, they tell you their secrets, they keep your secrets, they don't abandon you in times of trouble, and they'd even give their life for your welfare. And then the one who's, can't read behind the camera. Um, What does it say, Grace? A good-hearted friend who's a counselor on foreground. Counselor. They keep you from doing bad things. They support you in doing good things. They teach you to do what you don't know how to do. Or they teach you what you don't know. And they explain the path to heaven or the, the way to um, have, a ha have a happy life and, and rebirth. And then the fourth one, um, a friend who's compassionate on foreground. The compassionate friend. They don't delight in your misfortune. They delight in your good fortune. They keep others from criticizing you and they encourage you. Um, they encourage praise of you. They encourage that in a, among other people. Okay, so what I would like to reflect on with all of you is how this works if we think about these things related to ourselves. And sometimes we're able to be, you know, generous, kind, supportive, loving, go the extra mile for someone else. Um, and, and yet internally we're really harsh. There can be a lot of negative thinking and negativity and one of the things that comes with the practice and is actually a big part of the practice is using mindfulness to really be present with our own mind, our own inner, inner dialogue, conversation, our own attitude towards ourselves and to let it go, to set it aside, to work through it, depending on what it is, finding the way to turn it around and actually be kind and encouraging of ourselves. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we ignore, you know, the things that we want to do better and work on, but it's like, how would you guide or, you know, this list is, is one way to look at things, but how would you help someone you really deeply care about? And how can we develop that deep caring for ourselves? So when you think about how you would guard yourself when you're negligent, how does that work? So the first thing that comes to my mind is this is where practicing mindfulness and really developing a habit of mindfulness helps us because we start to 
notice when we're being negligent. We notice when we're not paying attention to something. We start to create um, a kind of mental discipline of observing ourselves. And instead of coming down harshly on ourselves, we do what we can to protect ourselves. So, you know, sometimes, particularly um, when we know we're in a kind of an unhappy space, when we think, when we're, when we're pressure, under pressure, we're tired, you know, these kinds of things, when, when things aren't going the way that we want them to be, maybe we've just taken in some criticism from someone else, something like that. And we know that we're, you know, we're in a space where we want to be extra careful about what we say and what we say not only to others, but also to ourselves. You know, and, and really, really taking care of ourselves. And maybe, and this, this idea of taking care of our property, sometimes we can be in a state where we're not paying attention to taking care of, you know, what's around us. And we can bring our mindfulness to bear and slow down. Even when it feels like there's pressure to move quickly, maybe become extra slow, slow it down. And pay attention to the details. So I'm sure we can all think of, you know, times like this for ourselves. And, you know, recognize that so much can change based on the attitude that we take. And that's really what we have some influence over, some control over. And, and how would you keep yourself, how do you keep yourself safe in times of danger? You know, what does that mean? Well, one thing is to um, see what we can do to avoid the danger. Another part is really looking at how we can support the mind in accepting things we can't change. Like we're, um, I know a, a young person who's really pretty worried about getting sick. You know, they're, they've kind of grown up like three years now with a pandemic and this young person is is pretty, you know, sensitive to people being around them when they're sick. Um, and when when they get sick, they're they're upset. And of course, um, you know what we understand from studies and um, reports that our mental attitude has such an impact on our immune system that it makes it harder for this young person to stay healthy. And so, you know, how can they learn how to help their mind accept that sickness is normal and that it's going to be, you know, like whatever happens, we can walk through it 
and it will change. You know, and this is sometimes the kind of way we, we can talk to ourselves. So this whole idea of how to be a good friend to ourselves is really handling what needs to be handled and caring for ourselves and letting go of the negativity that we often carry towards others, towards the world, and towards ourselves. What about this next for telling, do we tell ourselves, <laughs> we have our own secrets, but do we keep them? Or do we sometimes um, put ourselves at risk by talking about things with people that aren't really trustworthy and thinking about how we would take care of ourselves? A lot of times there are things that are going on either inside of us or outside that it does it it only makes things worse if we share it. I hope that the wisdom of knowing when that's true and when it's good to talk about things can be developed in each of us with our own well-being in mind. It's certainly not about being deceptive in any way, but sometimes we don't have to talk about things that are actually going to pass, that we'll learn how to handle more skillfully over time. So I hope that that makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, always uh, talking about things like this, it's possible to pick them up in, in the wrong ways, but I'm going to trust everyone who hears this to try really to use these reflections as something positive and supportive um, in line with Dhamma, in line with being virtuous and kind. How about abandonment of ourselves? You know, sometimes I've had the experience where I feel like I haven't really been there for myself, my own development. I think the more we develop on the path, the more generous we are with ourselves in those kinds of situations where we are um, supportive of our own experience, understanding of it, and there for ourselves. Being interested in and developing what's for our own welfare. Now, sometimes people can feel like thinking this way can cause them to become selfish or self-centered. But I think what we want to do as practitioners is move beyond that personal identity as much as we can and, and get to this place where we're as kind to ourselves as we would be to others, as interested in our welfare as others, and recognizing that our own welfare, our own mental clarity and peace of mind and all these other things that we want to develop on the path are, some, are much more in our influence than it is and in what we can uh, affect in others. 
And when we are developing ourselves, of course, that also helps the people around us. With our mindfulness and our um, energy pointed in the right direction, um, with our sense of virtue, we do keep ourselves from doing things that are bad and we support ourselves in doing what's good. And then there's this idea of teaching what you don't know. Do you ever give yourself Dhamma talks? <laughs> it's very strongly encouraged, actually. Um, if you read some of the, the passages in the biography of Ajahn Chah, you can see how he talked to himself, gave himself, and he do both sides, you know, <laughs> the part that's that's um, caught up in some, some kind of um, desire or delusion or whatever, and the part that's talking him through that and um, seeing the, the Dhamma side of it. And so this is, this is a, we need to teach ourselves. We need to teach ourselves when we have a negative mental state when we're thinking negatively, when we're, um, you know, complaining internally about others, about ourselves, about whatever life, to teach ourselves to really acknowledge and accept the way things are and look at what we can do and bring a positive attitude to the mind. And oftentimes looking at, you know, the good in the situation. And at the same, in the same way, we can explain to ourselves a path upwards. Heaven, of course, the Buddha said, don't stop there. <laughs> you know, really set your sights on awakening and encourage your own mind in that direction. So this is actually a, a difficult practice, this kind of sifting out and letting go of negativity in the mind. And it can take a long time. You have to go over and over and over again. There can be very strong habits of um, negativity. And then, you know, not to become... Um, discouraged or uh, fed up with that and, you know even the thought of oh here we go again you know this is also when we look at that thought and we let that one go because this is actually something that's doable to bring more positivity to the mind I have a friend who so rarely would she ever criticize anyone? Um, it's pretty amazing. I've known her for at least 25 years. And she's extremely positive. She's also realistic, which is a nice combination. <laughs> and this is what we're talking about here. You know, this is, you know, to really um, be able able to talk about the problems without the condemnation. 
And this friend is someone you just know she's not saying mean or negative things about you anywhere ever. She doesn't do it about anyone. Um, she's, she's kind, she's generous. And, you know, I've said things over those 25 years that I would rather I hadn't said. <laughs> she never, never puts attention on our mistakes. This is, this is a beautiful example um, in, for me. And I've really enjoyed seeing that positivity and how beneficial it is to the people around her. And it's, um, it's just something to really consider, like, how do I bring more of that into my, into my life, but into my patterns of thinking? Because, you know, the thinking is where everything starts. And, you know, if we think something, then, you know, pretty soon we're going to say it. <laughs> Usually how it goes. So just, you know, considering that and um, making the effort. And then we have this fourth um, collection of four things, being delighted in your own. I mean, not delighting in your own misfortune, not that you... Would, but sometimes we focus on the misfortune. We really emphasize it. And it's understandable. This is how we're wired um, as evolution wires us to think about the negative. But really turning it, looking for what is good in the situation, because there's always some, some positive aspect or outcome as well. You know, without something that happens to us, there are other things that positive, good things that would have been missed out. Um, we can't really keep others from criticizing us, but we can certainly take the criticism in, in a good way, looking to see if there's something there that we can learn, that there's something good to change, that we can encourage in our own mind appropriate praise, appropriate um, development, loving ourselves, really being that good friend to ourselves. So that when we're by ourselves, the mind is uplifted and it comes from our own attitude, our own encouragement. So this is just one way to kind of tease apart some of our own mental patterns. Um, you know, like really practicing with how can I change my mood? How can I change my, my recordings <laughs> that keep coming through over and over again? Because this is all from the past. Right? It's, all, it's all, you know, old. 
and it can be revised. And it must be revised for us to awaken. So that's the idea. And I would love to hear any comments or questions um, or seeing any of the challenges to this kind of approach. Any questions? Any, any experiences you'd like to share? Yes, James. Hi. Um, I suppose this, this probably sounds a bit sort of basic, really, about being, being negligent to yourself. Um, you know, after after having COVID, um, I was feeling sort of really run down in a bad state of mind, and, and I just realised I just had to be. I'd sort of let sort of discipline sort of slip with things. So, like since last weekend, I've been sort of much more um, well, been 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 more um, keep, keeping the precepts better, and and doing little things like making sure that I get to bed before 11 o'clock and, and it's just so easy to make these, these little things slip and, um, yeah, practicing more basically. And, and, um, somehow I managed to do quite a lot of meditation over the last two days and I just feel so much better than I did last week. It's, um, so, so I think, I think I easily slip into bad habits of neglecting those basic things really. And it makes, um, makes so much difference <laughs> I know that's not really deep or profound but I suppose it's just about getting the the um getting the basics right isn't it sleeping well eating well finding plenty of peace in your life <laughs> yeah it's true James I mean that's where I go when things get really difficult you know your heart is shattered over some broken relationship then if you just stick with that eating sleeping exercising you know you just kind of bring your attention back to like the right now <laughs> and and keep those basic things happening and eventually you start to pull out of it i think it's really important advice i think i think now i'm more um attentive to how different it makes me feel as well you know maybe maybe previously i would have had a good day i would have had a bad day but not really being really aware of why you know but um like this last week especially i've just been really paying attention to how much better i am during the day so i can see more clearly how important these things are to to do you know and uh yeah, yeah. yes thank you james I certainly need more self-compassion, so I should be working on this. Maybe that's why I'm more likely to neglect myself because, you know, out of lack of self-compassion. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and that's exactly 
what's so helpful to notice like your point about noticing that's exactly it you know the mindfulness along with the kindness the compassion to see like what where am i with things and what can i do to bring some light into that yeah thank you Paula, Daniel, Phil. <laughs> Hi, I uh, so uh, sometimes uh, you have a secret and uh, keeping it can feel like a lie when it should really be uh, opened up uh, to the world. So tips and tricks, Daniel's telling me use discernment of how to practically approach this. And another thing would be if you want to uh, wait in is there are some things that are just so horrible and hideous there's no way to see any good or silver lining in it pick pick any genocide in history as an example yeah um okay so let me see if i understood so you were talking about secrets that sometimes we really should share because it unburdens us and maybe there's something important there for another person to know. That's right. And I think, of course, we have to know when, when it's appropriate and when it isn't. And one of the, the measures we can use is how is this going to affect the other person? You know, if this is something that's going to help, even though we might feel like we, um, you know, don't, would rather it not and not be said, but if it's going to benefit them, that's help. That's good to know. But if it's not, so sometimes, for example, people will want to tell someone in their life about something that they did. And if they really look at it, they're not doing it for the benefit of the person that they're talking to. In fact, it's going to be upsetting and help and hurtful. And there's nothing you can do about the past. So in some of those cases, it's much better to just let it go. Resolve in ourselves, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, that there's no real benefit to the other, to, to them or to the world. So when you say letting it out into the world, now there might be some benefit in talking about it to a trusted friend who's also going to keep that secret. Because it, it, if it goes out, it's not, it's, it makes things worse. So this is something to consider. A lot of times we are so driven by our own feelings that we, and I've done this many times before coming in contact with the Dhamma and really reflecting on these things, um, being so driven by my own feelings that I would say things that would just make things worse. But it's just, it's just coming out of an inability to manage my own feelings. And then we have to know, like, when do we need to share so we can heal inside? We have to, we have to take care of ourselves, be a friend to ourselves too. So it's weighing all of those things. So it's going to be different in different situations. And I was listening to a talk about Janamaro the other day. It was a really beautiful talk. I can't remember what it's called. Knowing what you don't know. If you look that one up, 
Knowing what you don't know, Ajahn Amaro gave that talk recently and it's really beautiful. I think we listened to it twice um, at the Vihara. And one of the things that's, you know, just a, a little, a little um, phrase that he used a couple of times in that talk was knowing the time, place, and situation. And this is a very, there might need to be a talk about this at some point, but time, place, and situation is so important. Mm-hmm. And we're really, really acting in accordance with what's true, what's, what's the way things work, compassionately, honestly. <clears throat> but honesty doesn't mean we say everything. It means that we're attuned to the time, place, and situation. And so it's not always easy to know, you know. And then the second part of your point about some things that are so horrific. In every case, of course, as compassionate, kind, virtuous beings, we don't want any of that to ever happen. We do our best to um, disrupt it, (laughs) interrupt it, keep people safe, keep ourselves safe. But whenever we look at any of those circumstances, we can find so many acts of kindness and bravery, courage and love and caring. And, you know, these are the things that we can take with us if we if we bring attention to those those things and we carry that forward instead of carrying forward the brutality and um, the harshness and the greed, hatred, and delusion. Thank you. You're welcome. And there's the link to the YouTube. Thank you, Adrian. Really good questions. Yes, Steve? Yeah, uh, looking through the list and then thinking about applying it to myself, one thing that jumped out was the uh, delighting in fortune. Um, I find that really hard. I I usually um, look at good things that happen as uh, um, kind of feel, feeling guilty about my privilege or something. Mm. So it's um, <clears throat> that was that was just a something kind of surprising that jumped out at my. Uh, as I looked at the list. You know, that's a really good point, Steve. I appreciate your bringing it up because I think this is true for so many of us. Um, You know, regardless of what kind of um, religious training we've had in the Western culture, we do all seem, many of us seem to have this feeling like we don't, like it's not okay to... Um, have these benefits or privilege. It's not okay to have um, the fortune and the good things to happen. Um, We should somehow feel bad about that. And the Buddha didn't talk like that. 
Um, he, he actually said it's, it's really wonderful to have wealth. I mean, if you gain it, uh, as it says, righteously, you know, without exploiting people or uh, harming anyone, um, for wealth to come into your hands because you're generous and kind and honest and to be able to use it for the benefit of the people around you, for yourself. He says for, first for yourself, to make yourself happy, to make others happy, your family, the people who work for you. Give to, you know, help people who um, need it. You know, and it's, it's like, this is a much more balanced and uplifting approach and it really helps to perpetuate goodness so you know it's 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 good to notice these negative attitudes that we take to be positive like it's good to beat myself up this is what you know you kind of get gets inculcated um i know it was true for me i mean i some of you know, I started uh, my life in a, in a pretty dark, negative religion. And, you know, um, that you're supposed to feel horrible and guilty about yourself. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just a little kid who's trying to be good, you know. And, and it's still like that, you know. It's like that's the kind of model you're taught to, to carry. And um, it doesn't help. It doesn't help us be better what helps us be better is to understand karma you know what are the results of our actions how do they affect us and how do they affect others and to care about others and to care about ourselves and to be happy when there's there's good things happening and to recognize that as the positive results of good actions and and you know when we talk about privilege, then there's this automatic kind of regret that people don't have privilege. And then what we want to do is align and help and, and share. And, and, you know, it's like, this is, and, and to, and to not um, negatively judge others, but to really, we, we see clearly the, unwholesome actions and the wholesome actions but that's different than um, judging people if you want to put it that way so I hope you can be happy <laughs> thank you yeah you're welcome I mean, when I think of the ways in which I feel like I've abandoned myself over the history of my 69, it's pushing 70 now years, <laughs> some of it's been um, to not stand up for ourselves, you know, to when, when we are um, you know, making our best effort or making an effort, we get, I, get into that kind of best kind of thing. That's also problematic, but you know, we're, we're trying to do something good and it's not working out. Um, or, you know, we're, we're getting criticized for something to, even if we don't 
wouldn't gain anything by um, talking to the person who's uh, making the criticism to at least, you know, acknowledging in ourselves the good. Sometimes we feel bad about things. We feel bad about ourselves just because the person, the, the other person involved is not seeing it, it in a good light. Their reaction is negative. And so we take that negativity on. When we take the negativity on from someone else, sometimes we're abandoning ourselves. And, you know, so there's a, a number of ways that that happens. And to sometimes it's easier to think of how would I handle this if it was happening to someone else? If it was happening to my best friend, how would I handle it? And then turn it around and take care of yourself in the same way. And, you know, always keeping precepts, because like King Pisanity said, if we're keeping the precepts, we're actually being a good friend to ourselves. And if we're not, if we're doing something, you know, if we're, we're killing, stealing, lying, um, engaged in sexual misconduct, um, using substances that are destroying our awareness, mindfulness, and safety, you know, then we're not being good friends to ourselves. And so, you know, taking care and really noticing, am I really here for me <laughs> in that regard? And, and again, this isn't about the ego and it's not about, you know, puffing ourselves up or you know, being selfish in any way. It's actually a service to everyone around us. And it's, it's something that is more selfless to be, um, impartially kind to ourselves and others, impartially caring. Yeah. So I'm feeling a little self-conscious about this, but I, I want, in line with the theme, I want, wanted to take advantage of an opportunity to pat myself on the back for being a good friend to myself. Um, for the past three months, I've been um, rehearsing a play, in a play with a large cast. And it's been about 20 years since I've done that. And one of the reasons why I haven't done it in a while is because the, the fun of doing a play has almost always been washed out by all of my self-criticism and doubt. Um, and so it just became not worth it for me. And I've really been noticing during these last three months, um, and, and I have to, I can only put it down to my, you know, connection with the Dhamma, that um, I'm having a great time and those thoughts they still come up, you know, there's, you know, oh, you know, you, I made a mistake. And, but instead of beating myself up, it's like, okay, this is what rehearsal is for. Um, somebody posted a picture. We had our opening performance the other night and somebody posted a picture on Facebook of this scene where the whole cast is on stage singing this beautiful two minute acapella number. And I looked at myself in the picture and I had that initial thought, whoever 
consented to put me on a stage. Look at me. <laughs> and then I just let it go because the beauty of the moment when we're on the stage is so much more powerful, powerful to me than my own self-criticism and self-doubt. And there've just been all these moments over the last three months where I've just been so mindful of stuff coming up and just letting it go. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and give you specifics, but they would just be too too depressing. Um, but they just they just evaporate. So I, I I just am patting myself on the back for being a good friend to myself. And I hope I didn't take up to you. Oh, that was great. Well, thank you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is great. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, all that self-criticism is, you know, like being caught up in our sense of self, which is so elusive and changeable anyway. And, and only, you know, like, like really no one else is paying that much attention to us. <laughs> I could probably look at that Facebook post and go, Oh, Neil, he's so gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> I know his heart. <laughs> well, and even if I can't do that, you know, the, the other, the other great thing is this sense of community with this cast, you know, we've become like a family and you know, I know no one is thinking anything negative of, well, at least I think no one is thinking anything negative of me. So why should I, you know, it's, and like you said, you know, or if they're thinking about me at all, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just been so much fun. It's so, so fun, so much fun to have fun for a change. That's great. It's great that the Dhamma is there and you can see it in that light. Because this is the way we this is the way we develop, you know, the Dhamma in everything we do. And every, you know, like this is how we train the mind in everything um, that we're engaged in. Yeah, I mean, I just have to add, you know, I, I hesitated to say that, that that I could put this down to my practice because I still judge myself about having a practice. <laughs> but the one thing I know is that mindfulness has just become sharper and sharper and sharper over time. And for me right now, that's the most important thing that I can see stuff arise mm -hmm. and let it go. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's a very important point that a lot of times we're very self-critical about our practice. And to recognize that this too is not helping and to, you know, really when the Buddha is talking about what, what is right energy, it's not about go, 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 you know, it's about noticing the wholesome and the unwholesome and encouraging the wholesome and discouraging the unwholesome. And this is part of it. Part of the unwholesome is being self-critical about the practice, introducing doubt, believing in the doubt, you know, and, you know, those mental patterns that we have where like 
criticism after criticism comes up in the mind and you just have to say, stop, <laughs> let it go. Don't trust it. Don't believe in it. Yeah. Thank you, Mia. Mira? I just wanted to join in to applaud Neil because I really, now Neil's face went away from my screen, but anyway, I just really, Neil enjoyed hearing about it and it's really fun practicing together and to get to feel the mudita and the happiness. So I really appreciate it. And I'm very curious about what the play is. That's all. It's a musical called Once based on a movie called Once. Cool. Thank you. And where is it playing? Where are you doing this? Mm -hmm. It's at uh, Mendocino College here in California. Nice. Nice. Yeah, thank you, Mira and Neil. Eileen? So I'm also echoing what Mia just mentioned, very happy for the good practice from Neil. And I'm sure it's going to be um, awesome or has been awesome. Um, I really, um, something come to my mind when you're talking about mindfulness. I also noticed like um, something little different. I started notice this kind of mood more and more of me negative like I was never sort of was so negative <laughs> almost feel like wow um studying kind of recognize a different kind of me sometimes <clears throat> and I'm very grateful sometimes I do have some skillful means to help me to you know slow down and go to the toilet or you know like quiet down and that kind of change but sometimes I do find it hard, especially, you know, like when you are sick and when you're dealing the emailing, I notice like I have been made quite a few mistakes when I am feeling very overwhelmed, my email getting longer, but I make even more mistakes. I was, so when you talk about like, well, you know, thinking be your own teacher, I was thinking, wow, how can I be my own teacher during that time? Um, and also like, you know, am I going to change? Um, or oh, I just keep practicing changing my mood. That's just some sort of come out from my mind while I listen to you. Yeah, one way Ling, to think about how to be your own teacher is to think about how you teach your son. You know, what would you do if he's having this experience? How would you talk to him? You know, and with that same that same love of the mother for yourself. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I, I noticed like my son talks very negatively. The things that are thinking about, I can capture like that very quickly. Say, wow. Um, for example, like the, the first morning he wake up, he would check the football school. <laughs> He's a big fan of football. And the Paris Saint-Germain, he was like, wow. I would say, why would you like to um, give your fresh mind to this sad news? 
<laughs> now maybe I should talk to myself like that. Why should I give my energy to this? Um, um, yeah, unwholesome. I I caught myself thinking, oh, why I think it's so negatively like this. And um, sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I notice, um, but I definitely notice more and more these days. Sometimes a bit scary. Yeah, try to, um, you know, really meet it with your own courage and your own kind of understanding that this is true for many of us, you know, that these, we may, when we start to notice our mental states, we may find more negativity than we imagine. We might even feel a bit embarrassed about that or bad about it in some way, but that's okay. It's like, that's the start of changing it. And to really get to the point where the negativity doesn't bring the stain on the mind the way it would in the past because we catch it and we see it for what it is and we address it and we are kind in the whole process. So it's like this is this is the part of the practice. Um, there's another talk that has a lot of the same kind of themes um, as this, and it's I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was given by Ajahn Kaliano, who's in Melbourne. Um, I'm not sure of the name, but it's like this is this is the kind of thing that is part of meditate this part of what we have to deal with as meditators and and to really like even though it feels scary sometimes to see what the mind is really up to <laughs> this is really this is really great this is really a huge step forward for us and um, and over time even if we feel like we don't we don't notice an ongoing, like real, um, you know, progress. At some point, we look back and we go, "Oh yeah, things have changed." Thank you, Ling. Thank you, Aya. Did you want to share anything? I can't. I, um, uh, when I was diagnosed with the stage four cancer, um, I had this like flash of like almost like an out of body experience where I, I was looking at myself, and um, at that moment, I felt such deep compassion mm -hmm. for myself and never had that before. So, yeah, you know. So I generally try to be trying to be kind to other people, but it's also important to be kind to myself. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have been um, through all these years that I've known you going through this process. Yeah. You've yeah. been a real advocate for yourself. You've been, mm -hmm. you know. It's been it's been a, a a beautiful example of you know 
sort of seeing the opportunities to be generous and supportive of others as a way of also being generous and supportive of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. But I, 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 before that, I never really saw myself as another being, you know, like as a, mm. a separate. Um, so when I started studying with you, with the Dhamma, then I had this moment of this, this body, this person needs my love too. Yeah. So yeah. Lovely. And, you know, to recognize that, um, you know, like the khandas, the body, the you know, mental khandas also, it's, none of it's got a, a lasting substance, mm -hmm. but yet there is this living being here. Mm -hmm. to to take care of and be kind to. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of the time. So I I hope this has been useful beneficial, either encouraging or affirming or um, whatever positive um, result you can take away from this time, this topic. And it's always for reflection and um, knowing for oneself what is beneficial and what is not beneficial. So I wish everyone well in the practice and um, thank you for your connection into this conversation and this effort to awaken. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.